Amen. Great to see you all today. I can see you better now. It's brilliant. Let's pray before we look at the word together. Father, thank you for your presence with us today. Father, we thank you for your promise that where two or three are gathered in your name, you're there in our midst. We honor you. We thank you for your word that is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts through bone and flesh straight to our hearts. I ask you, Father, would you use these words that were penned so long ago but are still alive with the power of God, the Spirit of God, that you would speak to us, you would challenge us, you would change us, that these words would be used to encourage, rebuke, and teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're back into the new year, and the phrase that I heard countless times was, when are you going back to work? When are you going back to work? What's happening work? Back to work, maybe a new job, maybe a new team, teachers, medics, coffee shop owners, mathematicians, counselors, anyone here, counselor, charity workers, engineers, landscape gardeners, people working in the hospitality sector or the retail sector, full-time mums, full-time dads, care workers, and even the retired who are never without work. Plenty to do when you're retired. So work happens to the best of us, happens to all of us. And we are today gonna be looking at faith at work. How do we integrate our life in Christ with our life at work? Let me say that again. How do we integrate our life in Christ with our life at work? our employment, our occupation, our work. And from the outset, I want to recognize that work is challenging. And we know that uh, work was present before the fall because God worked. He created. It was present before the fall, but we know it has been tainted by it. Work is harder now, I think, than it was before. And there are many of us that have challenging experience of working Some of you may now be in a profession that you think, I really don't want to be doing this job. Some of you are maybe looking for a job. Others of you have just lost your job. And so when it comes to work, there can be, I'm aware, many different places and journeys that people have had. Some have come to the end of their working lives and others are just starting out. So we're going to be looking at some of Paul's advice to the new Christians in Colossians about their life at work. At the end of Colossians 3, we're going to be reading from verse 20. Paul is writing, as we've uh, explained over the last couple of months, he's writing to a new church and he's giving specific instructions right at the end of the letter for different households, different homes. Last week we heard from Rich about marriage and wives and husbands. And Paul goes on to talk a little bit about children and how they're to obey their parents in everything. Great advice, Paul. Not many children in the room, and those that are are probably not going to grasp this one yet, but it's a good one. Um, Then he goes on to talk to servants or slaves and masters. And Paul is making the point of reminding these new believers not to merely just get by with the minimum, of what we're obliged to do, but he's encouraged them and saying we should serve knowing that Christ is our ultimate judge. And the context for their work and ours today is our freedom and identity in Christ. 
Colossians 1, 13 to 14 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Paul is big on freedom. It talks about rescuing us from the dominion of darkness. It talks about redeeming us. That's taken the words from slavery, redemption, redeeming a slave. And we're going to read uh, Colossians 3, 22 to 25 together to hear more of what Paul says. All right, it's already up. Very good. So, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only where their eye is on you, to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Now, right from the first word, we have a challenge, and that is that Paul is addressing slaves. Now, slavery in its various forms is still a very live issue. In fact, it's a hot-button issue. And our 21st century context, there is a lot of activism going on around slavery. Historical figures with any connection to the slave trade are being canceled. Statues are being toppled. This is a very live issue right now. So modern readers, that's us, wince at the word slaves and masters, mainly because we often immediately think of a certain type of slavery. And that often being the African slave trade, which slavery was race-based, it was lifelong, and it was based on kidnapping. However, in the ancient world, there were multiple slaveries, or many slaveries. Yes, there was good evidence that of how much brutality and hardship and harshness there was, but there was also evidence of slaves living normal lives, and who were being paid a wage, but not allowed to quit or change employers. And they were in slavery for an average of 10 years. It was short-term servitude. A person also could become a slave for a set period of time in order to work off debts, because there was no such thing as bankruptcy in ancient times. So slavery in, in the ancient world was more complex than some of our Uh, narrow thoughts about it, and certainly the people who are sometimes getting very heated or hot under the collar, how they're seeing it as they approach how we have it today. Now, reading Paul, some have found it a bit confusing and embarrassing or downright disappointing, really, that Paul appears so content with the status quo, and is It's almost like he's apparently unwilling to call for some measure of social change. seems like he's not speaking out against slavery in the Roman Empire. Now, actually, Paul has a lot to say on this sensitive topic, and especially we read about it in his letter to Philemon, which is his own letter that we have in in the New Testament, who owns a slave. So he's writing to Philemon, who's a Christian slave owner, and he's writing to him about his slave Onesimus, who Paul is sending back to him. And incredibly, he talks about Onesimus being his brother, his fellow servant. 
And so Paul is speaking radically into this situation of slavery at the time. Paul's letters do not aim at abolishing slavery, but rather aim to transform the varied, the varied ancient institution from the inside out. This is a quote from F.F. F. Bruce, who's a historian, and he says, what Paul's letters do is to bring us into an atmosphere in which the institution of slavery could only wilt and die. And while slavery in various forms still exists today, we know that, terrible slavery in different parts of the world and in this country as well, in its different forms, only within Christianity did the idea eventually arise that slavery was actually an abominable institution to be abolished. And it was the Christians like William Wilberforce who led the world to abolish the slave trade. The challenge is that you cannot preach freedom from old inequalities, as Paul was doing. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, save or free, but Christ is all and is in all. You can't preach into these... Um, uh, hang on, right? on that one. You can't preach freedom from old inequalities like these without being asked, how in practice does this work out in a society where these inequalities continue unchallenged and unchanged? Don't forget this letter is being read to a church where there are slaves and masters sitting listening. Sometimes when we imagine this, we think, oh, it's all written to the slaves, slaves, you must do this. Actually, masters were sitting in the same room. And so we're suddenly, we're suddenly challenged with how to, they should outwork these new relationships because they are now one in Christ, slave or free. Those labels and, and terms that have been placed on them are now broken down in Christ. They have become one new man. The barriers have dropped. There is no longer the boundary markers of race and age and class and slave or free. But it is a challenge. How in practice should this be worked out? When Paul speaks to the Christians in Colossians 3, he's not denouncing the institution of slavery, which would have been pretty challenging in imperial Rome. He is speaking directly to the individual Christians within the institution about how to conduct themselves. And what he says is totally revolutionary. Paul tells both employees... I've changed the names now, employees and employers, which makes more sense in our modern day setting, to change their audience. Who is watching your work? And who are you working for? And lastly, what is your reward? Who is watching? How are we to work? How are we to conduct our lives in our jobs, we do for a living, what we're training in. Slaves, it says, or employees, obey your earthly bosses in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you to curry their favor. It's an interesting phrase. I haven't heard the word curry their favor except in an Indian restaurant. No, no currying favor. But with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Who is watching? Integrity is that you do the same things when someone is watching you or whether they are not. 
Integrity is a sincerity of heart that is constant and true and the same, whether there is somebody looking over your shoulder, checking your reports, or whether they aren't. Maybe, this is so challenging, maybe it's easy for you to just do the minimum, to just get by. I've been very challenged with these verses. It talks about your heart. Do everything with all your heart. This is such a challenging word. Imagine, imagine just for a moment. This is, this is where my mind went as I was reading this. Imagine if I did what I was doing with all my heart, with all my energy, totally focused, aligned, true, uh, following my passion and channeling my energy and my thoughts, my mind, my will and my emotions into the work that I'm doing. Imagine if we gave our work, our employment, our job, that kind of attention and energy. I think our workplaces would be transformed. And it's a real challenging thing. Sometimes when you read verses, it seems almost too, too difficult to be true. It's like, I don't know whether you ever feel that. Sometimes when you read through the New Testament letters, you think, that's, that's too hard, it's too difficult, it's too unworldly, it's almost unreal. But Paul is not afraid to challenge us to be, to be full of the Holy Spirit, to be full of God, to be present and fully engaged with all our faculties into what God has asked us to do and the employment that we have in front of us. Secondly, who are you working for? Verse 23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, Paul helpfully broadens the scope of work to whatever you do. Now, that's great. It doesn't mean just your employment, just your vocation, just your work, but whatever you do. And there's a sense in which we're always working, we're always giving ourselves to something, whether it's paid employment, whether it's volunteering, whatever we're doing, we are to work at it with all our heart as working for the Lord. So whether you're an executive or an entertainer, whether you're highly paid or whether you have minimum wage, whether you have do a job secured by a PhD or whether it's secured by a BTEC, whether it's part-time or full-time, whether it's overtime or voluntary, night shift or day job sharing, first week on the job or a 30-year veteran, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as working for the Lord. This uh, with all your heart actually comes from the Greek phrase um, ekpsyches, that word psyche meaning soul. So it's from the soul. We often talk about the, the heart being who we truly are, what's really going on inside. It says from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your heart is truly represents who you are. And we're to be, Paul is saying, I want to encourage you, Colossians, to work from your heart, work from the fullest expression of who you are. As working for the Lord. Because ultimately, we are not just working for your line manager and for the company that you're employed by. We are ultimately working for the Lord. 
Paul is elevating our work life to say we're not simply working for a company and working for a boss. We're actually working as unto God. We're working for him. Tim Keller in his book, Every Good Endeavor, explains that one of the hopes for our unraveling society is the recovery of the idea that all human work is not merely a job, but a calling. The Latin word vocare, to call, is at the root of our word vocation. We often use the word vocation as simply a job, but that was not the original sense of that word. A job is a vocation only if someone else calls you to do it. Let me say that again. A job is a vocation only if someone calls you to do it and you do it for them rather than for yourself. So our work, whatever we are doing, can be a calling only if it is reimagined and understood as a mission of service to something or someone beyond our own interests. If work is just a means of self-fulfillment and self-realization, it will slowly crush us. Our work is a calling from God. God has called us. And whatever you are doing, whatever job you have, whatever job you're looking for, what you are engaging with your work, it is a calling from God. And we're to see our work life like that. It's not just a job. It is a calling. God has called us into it, and we are working for him. Our work that we do is a calling because we are, not, we are working as working for the Lord and not for human masters. It is the Lord you are serving. And your work is a calling because God has called you to work for him. And it may not feel like a calling. I think I'm, I'm seeing a few of you going, yeah, I can, I can see that. But this job serving burgers in McDonald's, this is, doesn't feel like a calling. In fact, this is definitely not where I want to end up. I have aspirations. I have somewhere else I want to get to. I have thoughts. I have plans. And so this job at McDonald's is not a calling. It may not be that. I use that as a simple illustration. It may be the job you're in right now. It's terrible. It's a very difficult situation. Actually, you're thinking, this is not what, I, I just can't do this. I know that this is not where God wants me to be. Maybe that you've got a change of career ahead of you. So this is a challenge because sometimes the job we're in doesn't feel like a calling. It feels like a burden, a challenge, a trial. But God has given you the job that you're in. And we call this providence. You believe in me, with me in the providence of God, that God is orchestrating, God is providing for us, God is leading, guiding our steps. In his heart, a man plots his course, but the Lord determines his steps. You believe that? It's in, in Psalms. Proverbs, one of the two. Proverbs, there you go. Very good. You're awake. It probably says it in Psalms as well. They're, they're kind of those things that are repeated quite a lot of times. In fact, a lot of times in Proverbs. Anyway, 
God, in Acts 17, 26, we see another aspect of God's providence. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God is in control. God is sovereign. God's providence is being outworked in the lives of men and women and all of creation. Now, I'm not saying that you can't look for a job or that you won't move to another job or you'll change your profession. But what I am saying to you is that the job that you are in right now, the place where God has you, is his calling to you. It's a calling. It's something that you are doing as unto the Lord. You're not just filling time or taking a little job on the side. This is something that you are doing for him. God has called you into it. He's chosen that for you right now. I'm not saying it might be forever. I, I, I hope for some of you it's not. And for some it may be. So I've landed my dream job and this is where I want to be. I know this sense of calling. Ever since I was in A-levels, I knew this is where I'm going and now I'm here. For others of you, like, this is not where I want to be. This is disastrous. This is the worst line manager you could possibly imagine. This is challenging and difficult and awful and my fellow employees are just horrible. See it as a calling. God has placed you there. God has called you into it. And you are to work with all your heart. Yes, in that situation. Oh, easy here. Like, I'm loving this. Woohoo, this is where I'm going. But here, work at it with all your heart. How do you do that here? How do we do it here? Because we know that God has called us, that we are working not to serve our bosses, but ultimately as serving the Lord. Amen. I uh, didn't expect to be selling turbine machinery in Japan. That was not on my uh, computational analysis of where my life would end up. And uh, amazingly, after studying geography and development studies at, yeah, at university, having tried to do French, because I wanted to go somewhere in Africa. I knew God had called me to go to the nations to share the gospel of Jesus. And I thought, well, I feel really passionate about Africa. I'm going to learn some French. I'm going to do geography and development studies. And here I come. I'm going to go. And God said, oh, no, you're not. And I met a man who has an engineering company in America, long story, at a Bible convention where I'm doing a a seminar on for students and just pulling students together and talking about I was doing student pastor then and he was at the back of my of my seminar and he said uh, he put his hand up I said yes we have a question he said oh no no question I just wanted to say if any of you are engineering students I'd love to have an opportunity to talk to you there's some inter internships available at my company I'm like okay thank you thank you very much went and spoke to him afterwards we had a little conversation two years later I have been invited by said boss to come and join his company in America to learn sales and marketing for turbine machinery, having no experience, nothing that I've done, because I knew God had called me to go to the nations. And God had spoken not about Africa, but about going to Japan. And so now my gears had shifted, and I'm like, how am I going to get to Japan? I know, I'll teach English. That's how you get to Japan. 
And God had other ideas. He said, no, I'm going to put you in touch with someone who's going to invite you to set up their branch office selling turbochargers and impellers for turbochargers to the Japanese market. I mean, it's ludicrous. And everybody who said, I said, that's what I'm doing, they just laughed at me. They're like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, I didn't know the back, you know, the end of the car to the front end to the engine. I mean, I still don't quite understand how the turbocharger works. But that's not the salesman's job. That's technical department to do. I'll just pass you on to Fred here who can help you with that. Anyway, what I'm, the long, what I'm trying to say with this, I had no expectation. I didn't anticipate being in Japan selling turbo machinery parts to the Japanese market. I thought I was going over here. I thought this was the path. I thought this was the career move. I thought this was the calling. And yet God had called me this, and I realized, I, I know I want to be there, but I'm going to give myself, I'm going to embrace this plan, this calling, this purpose, this place that God has placed me with, the men and women who God has joined me with, this company, this, this CEO who has who's somehow taken me and said, you'll be a great fit for, for, for taking the Japanese turbo machinery market and expanding that. Ludicrous, loopy. I don't know if any of you, else of you think, how have I got into the job I'm in? How am I here? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't feel like it's the right fit. But know that God has called you. You are there to work with all your heart as serving the Lord. 30 minutes. There we go. Right. I will finish with this. Is that 30 minutes gone or 30 minutes soon? <laughs> I haven't got 30 minutes left. Okay. What is your reward? I was just finished with this. We can work with all our hearts. We can have this new motive for the work because we have an unimaginable reward in Christ. Our work does not have to be unduly tied to the amount of reward, the amount of pay that we get from our bosses. The Greek word for inheritance from the Lord is is translated it should be translated as the inheritance it's not just an inheritance it's the inheritance it's about what is to come we are working not just for remuneration in this life but the way we work how we work who we work with how we give with all with our hearts how we work with all our hearts is what is going to ultimately end up with a reward from our heavenly father this life is not the end. There is another reality that goes beyond the grave. And our life and our work here and now affects the future. And as we work and as we give ourselves, we are looking to him for that reward. That shapes our work life. That we're looking not only to this life, but also to the life to come. So we have seen from Paul's writing to the Colossians, that he is writing to these newly formed community 
of people who are totally different, of people who are different cultures, different backgrounds, and even differences. Some are slaves and some are free. And Paul is writing to the same, within this, within this new radical transformation that you come, you still have to outwork your life in the home and in the workplace. And he is giving them instructions that we now take, not to slaves and masters, I hope, in this room, but to employees and employers. And what he asks us to do is to do three things. And the questions that he's asking is, who is watching your work? Secondly, who are you working for? And lastly, what is your reward? Let's stand together. Thank you, Father. Lord Jesus, we want to acknowledge that you were a carpenter for 30, well, probably not 30 years, because for the first five or six, you probably weren't, but in your, in, your father's, in your father's shop, working. Only the last three years were you removed, taken out from that, and moved on to the other calling your father had for you. Lord, we appreciate that you, have, you understand what it is to put in hard graft. We understand what it is for you to be probably longing to do another job, what your father really had for you. We thank you that you acknowledge and you understand and sympathize with our weaknesses and the challenge is of work in this life. We ask, Father, that you would help us to work with all of our hearts, that you would help us to be a people that display the likeness of your Son in the way that we act, in the way that we care, in the way that we send in our reports, in the way we do things when no one's looking. Pray, Father, that you would help us to be aware of who's watching, that it is not just for our line managers that we are doing these things, but it is for you, that we are serving you. And we thank you that this life is not the end to which we are working for, but everything we do and all that we achieve, all that we lay down, is ultimately achieving an inheritance that will not fail. The reward is to come. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I pray that today as we, as we go out from here and as we go into our work week this week, that those truths will ring in our minds and our hearts. And the Holy Spirit, you will help us to do those things. Pray for a transformed mind that we would think different, that our motives would change, that our Ways of working would be different, but that you would help us to do that by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.